Welcome, everyone, to another episode for Fake Nerds Watch for Star Trek Strange New Worlds. This is episode four, Memento More. Um, we were a little behind. We, as I mentioned in the last episode for um, uh, Ghost of Illyria, that we would uh, separate these two episodes. So here's the next one. So Memento More, it's episode four. What do we think about this one? I'm, of course, joined. I forget to introduce you. I'm, of course, joined by Cookie from Just a Little Podcast. How are you doing, sir? Doing good, my friend. Doing very well. And this episode was another great episode. I I like what they did. They definitely have some callbacks to things that we've seen or things that we've heard about and now get mentioned in this episode, which I really like. Um, it was good. It was good. This is my favorite episode of the show. Really? By far. I think this okay. is the best episode of the show so far. I think this definitely has a lot of things that tack on from what the episode three talked about, especially mm -hmm. with um, being an augment and being uh, being different from everybody else and stuff like that and things that are going on today's world rather than also in Star Trek. So I think it's, it's really cool. Yeah. I think that this episode does a lot of things that I like. It's, it's very well paced. It's very well written. The, uh, scene in the nebula or in the gas giant that's being consumed by a black hole is gorgeous. Like there's mm -hmm. a bit, there's a bit where like Ortegas is, you see the ship like piloting and you can see how the ship is like struggling to stay like with it. And then like how it goes, like how it goes, like uh, how it like points its bow right at yeah. the Gorn ship and then drops the torpedo. All of that is awesome. Absolutely. I'm um, right there with you. There was a lot of talk about how this is inspired by submarine movies, and I can definitely tell. And you know, obviously, there's the inspiration from Wrath of Khan, which I which I picked up on because the end of Wrath of Khan is a very similar ending. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I like this episode quite a bit, and this this is the episode that did it. Star Trek: Strange New Worlds is my favorite of the new Star Trek shows. That's great. That's so good to hear. I, I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, I have no negativity at all about the series so far. We're in episode four, and things have been, like you said, very, very much in a, a constant motion forward, and it's not a standstill. I did talk about it last episode that it was like a filler. There is no filler. Everything so far has its own beats, has its own rhythm, and everything flows continuously by itself. If it's that just, makes any sense. It does. It does. And one of the things that I really like about this show is, you know, this is the next next logical step for for from like Lower Decks, right? Mm -hmm. Lower Decks is the Star Trek formula through the lens of a hyper comedy. Yeah. This is just the Star Trek formula. This just is Star Trek comedy. Well, just think of the comedy. comedy, but yeah. But it's not it's not the Rick and Morty comedy that's right. during, it's not the that, focal point. Yeah. And so like this show is the closest we have gotten to pure Star Trek since the Orville, right? <laughs> I mean, like for, for real, like like I, I think that this show has managed to prove that a traditional Star Trek show could not just work, but work well. Yeah. In today's day. Because I think what I think the the thinking was when they went into Discovery, 
because I know Discovery went through a lot of changes. It was initially supposed to be an anthology show, um, but it was going to, but like the idea was that, okay, Discovery needs to be different because television has changed drastically mm-hmm. since Star Trek Enterprise went off the air and we need it to, we need to change it to match with an audience that's going to work, that's going to want to prestige programming. And, you know, I like Discovery fine. We talk about it quite a bit, but like, this is the one where it's like, you know, I go back to that, to that interview that Akiva Goldsman has. Like, this is the one that you should have done. Yeah. This is what you should have started with because this is proof positive that this formula still works. Correct. I, I agree. And I think that keeping up with what's going on with television, this still does it very much so. It just it combines the technology that's roughly there and just equates it to uh, a formula that has worked since the 60s yeah and i think that that one of the things i really like is how they've updated the enterprise i talk about it a bit in some of the other episodes but like i do really like how they've updated the enterprise it feels recognizably the enterprise from tos like in you've got nods like you see that they have the colorful buttons on their mm-hmm. on their on their platform so they also have the like the touch screens and i'm like that's that's a really cool way to pay tribute to what had come before but also modernize it for a more yeah for a less forgiving audience, let's say. Correct. I I do I do kind of wish that there was a little bit more color in representation of TOS. Sure. With like the redness kind of going everywhere. I would have loved something like that. Just little areas that have that that touch. Yeah, there's there's still a sense of the like the corridors are very JJ Enterprise or very Kelvin yeah. because they're they're very white and stare and uh neutral. At- Apple, they called it the Apple Enterprise when it first came around. I think the bridge does a good job of of being that, um, of being a more updated bridge of the Enterprise. But I think you're right about like the corridors and what we see Mm -hmm. about like the the sick the sick bay. Everything everything else hasn't quite merged the aesthetic of the original series with the aesthetic of what we have now. Yeah. Um, but to be fair. Jadzia Dax, when she went back in time, did imply, did imply, (laughs) she liked Terry Farrell. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? I mean, I was more, I like Ezri better. Not as a character, but as like attractiveness, I prefer Ezri. Okay. Um, I think Jadzia is a better character. Just want to be clear before anybody (laughs) comes at me with their pitchforks. But Jadzia seems to imply that the aesthetic of the original series was a choice. Yeah. And not a, uh, and not just because the, the, uh, they, they're like, Oh yeah. Look at the wood finish of the, of the tricorder. It's like everything back, back then was so nice. It's like, it felt like, it felt like everything they did to make the enterprise, to make the technology look like that was like in universe, a choice on Starfleet's point. Be like, yeah. let's make our tricorders out of wood instead of, instead of, uh, uh, metal, metal, yeah. Um, but I'm sure that's not what we're what we're happening here. Anyway, this episode is really great, and I want to talk about some things about it. it. Um, oh, I have a note here. My first, my very first note. The Enterprise is really pretty. I really like how the show looks. And yes. one of the things that I think is really cool is that you can see the imperfections on the hull plating. Yes, from like the light. When the light shines from the from the headlights of the Enterprise, and you see like 
it reflects off of the different panels of the hull differently mm-hmm. and the light source comes from a different place. I think that's a really cool touch. I, I agree. And I know we talked about it in the last episode. Um with Star Wars, Star Wars has this very much a rugged appearance, mm-hmm. whereas Star Trek is intentionally beautiful and intentionally elegant. It's and utopian. I love the fact that this is like an exploration ship, but at the same time, it's like a luxury exploration ship. It's granted, it's the the showcase of the fleet, which is awesome. So yeah, the flagship. They say it's the flagship of the fleet. However, that is not the case in canon. The Enterprise was not the flagship of the of the fleet until after Kirk left command. But so whatever who was or who was or what was the ship that was the the flagship? You know, I don't know. They never say in the original series, but. The idea was never to have the Enterprise be the flagship of the fleet until the motion picture showed up, and that okay. that was made. The motion picture implies that it was it was made the flagship because of Kirk's exploits on the Enterprise. I gotcha. Like as a tribute to him. Mm-hmm. But whatever, it's the flagship. I don't care. Star Tri- Starfleet Remembrance Day, I think, is is new to canon. I don't know for sure. Okay. Um, but it does. It, it's a cool way to frame this episode yeah um because on you know well pike has this great thing where it's like you know we've all served with people who have died we've all served on ships that maybe have been lost um and laon has a has a pin that she refuses to wear because of Mm -hmm. her trauma with what happened to her ship but um everyone's wearing other pins pike i don't know if you caught this do you know what pike's pin is I don't. I saw it because I got a chance to watch it on the big screen this time. Finally, not on your stupid phone. <laughs> so I, I I saw it and I was just like, I, I really wanted to try to not rush through the episode, but I wanted to watch it to give us enough time to go and really talk about it. Um, but it's I just see they did really zoom in quite a bit on it and focus on it. It's Discovery. Really? Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's That's a very cool little nod. I think so. There's there's two knots to discovery in this episode. There's the mind meld where Laon hears Michael's voice. Yes. Um, say I love you to Spock. That's their final moments together from the season two finale. Mm-hmm. And then the um and then him him wearing the discovery pin is to not just to keep the cover that the discovery was destroyed, um, but to also kind of honor the people that he came to know when he was on that ship, you know, the people were still trying to figure out who they are. He yeah. apparently knew them really well. Gotcha. <laughs> he knew everything about them. See what I find so, so cool about that is like every so cool about the show is like, I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't just keep shitting on discovery, but like you already started commit. Just commit. I did fine. But like every week I rail on discovery for not, telling me who these characters are i'm i slowly I, it's been four seasons and i feel like i know it's been four seasons of discovery and in four episodes i know more about ortegas and her character than mm-hmm. i do to detmer yes like then they have the same role on the ship i just mm-hmm. know ortegas better i get a sense of her character more i i know what she's i know i can anticipate what she's going to say i want to see more of her Detmer, she's a good pilot. Half an episode with her talking about like her family and talking about her, her like 
uh, what's it called like surgical implants with her eye and her her head and stuff like that. But past that, we don't know much about her. Well, we know what her surgical implants came from. I don't want to talk about Discovery. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry. Well, needless to say, Discovery had an opportunity to shine as a bright beacon or as bright as Strange New Worlds is doing currently. Yeah. However, I do feel like Strange New Worlds is still paying homage and respect to something that came, I guess, slightly previously before this came. It's just the benefit. It's just the benefit that Strange New Worlds has fallen into that Discovery chose not to go that route which mm -hmm. is episodic because yeah. episodic storytelling we can showcase other people and we can get to know different characters through various hours discovery chose not to do that and there and we're still suffering for that do you think that if that's the case hypothetically speaking discovery was episodic and strange new worlds is episodic that you would have a different view on strange new worlds because we're watching Picard as a series, as a standalone, almost like an elongated film. But mm -hmm. we have Lower Decks as episodic. We have Strange New Worlds, and we have Dis Discovery. So that's three episodic shows, almost back to back to back. So you want, so in your hypothetical situation, the only serialized Star Trek show on the air is Picard. Correct. Okay, that's an interesting hypothetical. I don't think Discovery's. All, I don't think all of Discovery's problems are fixed with an episodic format. Mm -hmm. And I also don't know if the writers are up for that because they're clearly not up for a serialized storytelling. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. I, I don't think it fixes all of its problems, but I do think it fixes specifically its character problem. Now, okay. if they chose to make an episodic story where it's not just about Burnham every week, it's about Detmer one week, Reese another week, oh well another week, and we get to know these characters through context clues, through their roles on the ship, through the the journey that they have to go through in whatever specific episode. And I do think I talked about this before in season four. I do think within their serialized story, they have the option because they clearly don't have enough story to tell thirteen episodes. That they yeah, throw in a Detmer story, throw in a, a, a oh well story. Like you can do that and we'll be fine with that in fact it'll probably make whatever the final beat of your season what your season wants to be land even better because we've gotten to know the characters better correct we're now more invested into what's happening yeah now that said i want to go back to the strange new worlds because this felt like a season finale <laughs> a lot of people were, were were like a lot of people were dying and a lot yes. of people almost died in this episode yeah. It was it was extremely extremely intense as an episode. Like there were, and even so, there were certain things that happened that made you start to, I guess, believe in a character. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, we see like these two dudes. Well, we see one guy just kind of nod. We have another guy sitting down. We see Chief. We see Chief Kyle. That's who that is. That's, that's who it was. That's the that's the transporter chief. See, I know who the transporter chief of Strange New Worlds is, but I don't know who. The, whatever. <laughs> so we see these characters and it's like we start to literally you, you automatically know okay something's gonna happen because we're spending time on this person we're spending time on this person and out of nowhere boom hey they're dead you need to go and save well, yourself. kyle's not dead kyle's not dead who was the one who was in the in the area in the lord x part that pushed the other guy out so the blue shirt that we meet so chief kyle is the transporter chief 
Um, he's the he's the really skinny Asian guy. Okay. He's in the red shirt. Okay. So he's the one doing kind of like maintenance, whatever. When and his buddy like nods at him. I don't know, maybe a little bit more than buddies. I don't know. I'm just yeah, implying. It seemed like that, but I didn't know. Yeah. And we don't know. That guy's dead anyway. It doesn't matter. Um, so like he he has the they have this like kind of moment in the hallway during the opening um beat where Pike is talking to the crew, which is a very good speech, by the way. Yes. Um, and he and so then cut to towards the end, it's those same guys. Kyle is running through the hallways to leave to get out of the lower decks because they're evacuating because they're about to lose the lower decks, essentially. And this guy is hurt. The blue shirt guy is hurt. And so he's so Kyle tries to help the blue shirt guy. But the blue shirt guy pushes Kyle through the bulkhead before it closes. And the Mm -hmm. blue shirt guy loses his life. That's who it was. Okay, yeah. In In a in a truly. Truly great character moment for Kyle. And for random blue shirt that I've never seen before, but like I, I felt for him mm-hmm. when we, when you see the bulkhead blow and he just gets blown back, like that's I mean, an incredible sequence. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what I'm saying. Just the fact that we, as watch, as the audience, if you say, care what happens to people that are not to say insignificant, but that are not our main crew that are just secondhand people on a ship and we still care about what happens to them there's a there's a girl there's the um i don't know if she's the chief communications officer um but she's the communications officer on on duty when the gorn first attack and then she disappears from the rest of the episode and i was like oh my god what happened to her like i (laughs) gave a shit about her like because i don't know her name but like i was worried for her life and then we see she's the one that una gives the plasma to okay so i was uh, and a great moment when it's just like, you know, okay, we're going to give you the last of the plasma. Everyone, everyone's going to be fine. You're going to be fine. We're going to give you the last of the plasma. We're going to put you out. Nurse, I need plasma. Oh, shit. Take take mine. And without even without even a hesitation, Una's like, I'll be fine. Just give her the plasma. And I'll yeah. be fine. They're like, no, you're going to have, you're going to lose a lot of blood. She's like, that's an order. Give me my mask so I can knock out. <laughs> yeah. I that's a that's a that's a great character moment. Um yeah. so the episode has a very chilling start where um this little girl kind of uh says that the Gorn click, which we've yeah. never heard before, uh the Gorn hiss in Arena, which is the first mm-hmm. appearance of them. Sure, I guess these Gorn click, whatever. Um and they uh and so, so that tell, that cues Laon to kind of get everyone ready, and it's such a it's such a great oh shit moment because yeah. she's like, hey, we need to, we need to check for this thing, and it's like we found this. You need to raise shields. We can't because the thing, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh no, this was a and like as you're you're, you're discovering it with the with the crew, you're just like when Pike is like, oh shit, this is the plan the whole time. Like yeah. you as the audience are like, oh shit, it was a trap. One hundred percent, and I immediately I want to say I got a call back to like the J.J. Abrams uh, scene when when we kind of see that take place, like we get a click of what's going on. It's like, oh crap, this has happened before, and I remember this happening, and this is mm. when it happened. Oh, you're right. When Kirk woke up in the sick bay yes. because of the lightning storm in space. Yes. Yes. So it's just like like we talked about previous episode where these writers are pulling from all of canon and not canon to to use as ways to enhance what we're watching. 
Yeah. One of the things that I also really like about this episode is how Pike commands the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen before a lot of him talking about like, you know, this is, you know, this guy has this knowledge. So what do you guys think we should do? We should do this. All right, let's do this. This sounds good. This time, Pike is very much in charge. He's like, what's going on? Well, there's the brown dwarf. Brown, there's a, there's the the brown dwarf. We're going to lose all the things. We're going to. And he's like, it's a great idea. Let's go in. And everyone's mm-hmm. like, wait a second. What's going on? Is like anything that happens to us will also happen to them. We have to yeah. go in. Yeah. He, he um, takes charge when it when it's needed. Yeah. And he's I mean, he's the captain. And one of the things I really like about his commanding style is that he's not he is clearly like everyone in the room is the best. Everyone in the room is the best that Starfleet has to offer. And so mm-hmm. I, I would be remiss not to use their expertise so, but in a command, but in this kind of command situation where he it's his responsibility to keep the ship alive, yeah, to keep his crew alive, he he also, I mean, he takes like you know, he takes like the expertise, like what do you know about the Gorn? What do you know about this? Like, explain Redshift, which is a great moment. Um, and he goes, uh, doesn't Spock say like, doesn't Spock say like. Uh, he, he goes, great, so we're going to go into the black hole. And Spock's like, I did not suggest that. And he goes, no, I know. We're just going to do it anyway. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. And it's yeah. th- those are the things that we we need from a captain. Sometimes it's great to take advice from other people. And other times it's like, hey, I have to make an impulse decision that's going to be life or death for my crew. Yeah. Um, I love Anson Manus Pike a lot. And I'm glad we get to see him like be that captain that I yeah. that I, I wanted to see. Like we've seen him be a good captain, but this was like a this was like him being being you know commanding like you know we're gonna we're gonna make it through this. He's always like I believe in Enterprise. Enterprise mm-hmm. is gonna make it through this. We'll be fine. Um, there's something that I always get frustrated with when it comes to how the creators talk about uh, the current Star Trek shows. Okay. Something I disagree with. They always talk about how Star Trek is about hope. Mm-hmm. It's about the promise of a better future. It's about uh, hopefulness and blah, blah, blah. And it's like hope isn't a theme. It's just kind of this thing that you feel. And I don't actually think Star Trek, Star Trek's theme is hope. I think okay. it's the betterment of all mankind. I, I can agree with that. Yeah, I think it's, I think... Per, for me personally, Star Trek is not the promise of a better future. It is the the it is the work towards a better future. It is that if we go out there and we work towards it, we can be better. Correct. That's what I think Star Trek is about. Now, Pike, however, has a speech in this where he talks to Laon, where he says to Laon, um, oh, I wrote it down. Belief can be the difference between victory and defeat because he's like i you're you're you know you can't be blunt right now you have to mm-hmm. if you think if you even if you don't think this is possible if you tell the crew this is possible that they can do it they can pull off miracles yeah and she uses that and she applies it yeah episode, th- yeah it's great and i think that's the best that's the best excuse i've ever heard for the theme of star trek being hope mm-hmm like I've I've never bought it because no one's ever been able to explain it until now. Yeah, but and, and I, I was like, I, yeah. like you, I've kind of always looked at it as this is more of 
not strive for perfection, but continue to strive for progress in the right direction. Just to constantly strive to be better. Yeah. And you see that beat by beat through majority of Star Trek, which is really lovely. Um, But this one, yeah, I definitely felt like this one was if you show the optimism and the hope that things will succeed as a leader, they're going to go and naturally believe in you because they want to believe in you and they want to win. They want it yeah. to happen. And there's no one who, who does that better than Ortega's, right? Like Ortega's has this, thing, you know, the whole episode of Ortega's like, we can't do this. We're going to, we're going to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. But at the end, when they come up with the idea of, she's like, I can do this. <laughs> no, but, but it's not, it's not just that it's, it's better than that. It's uh, when they come up with the idea to escape with the explosion and the, and the black hole, Pike, she's like, we're all going to die. But Pike says, what's the matter, Ortegas? You don't want to ride it. You don't want to ride the wave of a black hole. And that triggers something in her. And she says, well, you know, actually, you know, that make it sound, you make it sound fun. Yeah. And so and that, like, that brings in, off, this is the Pike move. Yeah. And so that brings in that, that confidence to pull off a miracle like yeah. Pike was talking about. Um, and I, I just think that was a, that more than anything has has made a lot of has made has been the best summation of what this hope that they keep talking that they've been talking about since 2017 for sure uh is meant to be there's there's a uh, a theme in this particular episode that showcases for me at least on majority of the characters that I saw is growth every single mm-hmm. character you see them grow in some way or form or fashion. And it's it's wonderful to kind of see that. Like a horror, you see her grow with not having confidence in her ability to go and do certain things mm-hmm. and looking at things or feeling things in a different manner. Yeah. And everybody has their own way of now growing just a little bit by what they think is not possible and comes out to be possible. When you see Hammer, Hammer and Uhura have a plot line where Hammer is it's not that he doesn't trust other people is that he very much prefers to do everything his own way. Yeah. And he has to trust that Uhura will do it the right way. And he, mm-hmm. and that's very difficult for him. Um, but he has this, he, he, but at the end of it, he does believe in her uh, enough that it's going to work out, but it doesn't really matter because they're just going to launch it out of an airlock anyway. Yeah. But still it, it was, it was nice to see that happen and see the change in somebody. Um, I do want to talk about somebody at towards the end of the episode, but when we get to that, I I just thought this was so cool. But Who do you want to talk about? Let's get to it now. No, no, no. I'll wait until because it's literally no. like the very end of the episode. So do wait it. until the very end. No, no, save it. No, do it now. All right. Um Umbega, when he when um number one wakes up and she like is kind of like dazed and she looks over and she sees the IV in her arm. And then she looks over to him and sees that he's actually giving her the blood. Mm-hmm. Like that sent chills on me because it was a reminder of the previous episode. Like, hey, I'm a physician first. I don't care about where you come from, your race, your creed, anything about you. I'm here to go and save lives. I'm not here for anything else besides to do that. Yeah. And that was just a beautiful reminder of who he is and what we should strive for as people is to save lives to not necessarily kill one another, but to do something to help each other out. And that was just a nice little thing. And I love that. I thought that was so cool that they, they continue to give, like I said, continue to give growth on a lot of characters and I keep doing it. 
I love their technology that they can just do whatever they want through their shirts. <laughs> I just uh, yeah, think that's yeah. a nice touch. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, I agree with that. The drama in Sick Bay is all very good. The mm-hmm. you know, so showing up people, the tria, the triage stuff. Um, that's all very good stuff. Sick Bay has a new feature that I think is great where they have force fields over the biobeds. Yes, I thought that was cool. I was like, that's a great idea. Why hasn't anybody thought of that before? That was so cool. Chapel is wonderful. Oh, yeah. She's just, she has this feeling. It's like, it's like giving birth through your mouth. Who talks like that? Me. <laughs> Me. <laughs> so good. Um, the, um, let's see. The mind meld is, it's okay. Um, I like the, I like the, I like the idea that Laon sees the Gorn much like Kirk saw, saw the, saw Khan or Picard sees the Borg. Like mm-hmm. this, the, she, they're her white whale. She's Captain Ahab in this story um, yeah. where she's where where when she is responsible for the destruction of one of their ships. You, we get like we zoom in on her and she's happy about it. She's not quite she's not quite cracking a smile, but you can tell that she's she's like, I got you, you son of you sons of bitches. Yeah, I got adult, you for sure. Yeah. Um, and I think that's I a good moment. Record, by the way, what? I like that the reference, the white whale reference. It's a really good reference to Free Willy. It was it was good. Moby Dick. I'm just joking. <laughs> you gave me a heart attack. That would have been hilarious. Oh man. But yes, I, I, I agree with you. Like, and I like the fact that while doing the mind meld, you had Spock kind of walk her through what was going on. Like, hey. You're putting up your own walls. You need to break through your walls in order to really, truly figure out what's going on with your past or else you're not going to make it through. Well, it's not necessarily her past that they need to reconcile with. It's the she knows what the lights are, but she's blocked it. So Mm -hmm. she needs to unblock that specifically. Um, And and so when when it gets when they get that information, like there's like your subconscious is pushing back. We should break the meld. Yeah. and that subconscious pushing back is also what opened the door to Spock's subconscious and how she found out about Michael. And you know what that was a callback to? The finale of season two of Discovery? And Picard. No? Yes. What? How does Picard has to go through his mind to go and figure out about his mom and all that stuff to realize... Oh, I don't think... Hold on. I don't think it's a callback. I know because they were probably filmed around the same time, but it I, it's just cool that one kind of theoretically came before the other, or was released actually, before the other. Actually, that's a good point that you'd bring up because there is a lot of talk about how Star Trek has been handling trauma lately. Discovery, Picard, and Strange New Worlds have all been dealing with trauma in a way that the original Star Trek shows have just never did. Um, personally, for me, I actually think they're all handled very well. Very differently, but in their own way, good. There's still a lot of work to be done in which in how trauma is portrayed on screen, especially if you want to do it with a deft hand. Mm-hmm. But I think for the most part, Discovery, Picard, and Strange New Worlds have done a good job in their own ways. And again, none of them have done it the same. But La'an, I think so far, is the best. Outside of her seeing her brother everywhere, which I wasn't crazy about, um, I did really... I do really think that how they handled 
Laon, like with the pin when she's like when she, when when Una is like, why don't you have your pin? You know, we could get you to a shrink. And she's like, I'm fine. I don't need a head doctor. I'm not broken. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that that she does have this trauma that she's not reconciling with, but her through her encounter with the Gorn, it does it does help her get to the point where she can at least put the pin back on. Yeah. Um. So I think I think. I honestly think Star Trek is making a lot of really good strides dealing with this kind of trauma. And I'm happy that they're at least attempting. Um, and, you know, for those listening or watching, uh, your mileage may vary on whether or not they succeed, but at least they're trying. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let's see what else we got. Oh, yeah. The, when, they, when they arrive on Finibus 3, just the blood everywhere. Oh, yeah. And then the dog just barking chilling it was it really was did they just leave that dog there i think they did i really think they did those bastards <laughs> that dog's just left on that planet forever sad um the uh so uh, uhura and hammer have to get on into ev suits and they're both pretty nervous that they're not going to do it. Hammer has this has a great arc in this actually, where he says where he talks about how like I didn't want to be an engineer, I wanted to be a biologist, um, and a botanist. Thank you. Yeah. And sh- she talks about how how does it make sense that an Enar it, who are pacifists, why is one in Starfleet? And he says it's, pacifism isn't passi- passivity. It, I will not fight for Starfleet, but I will work to defend its ideals. Yeah. I thought that was a really great summation of what, what basically a pacifism is because it's not the it's not the absence of fighting. It's it's active it's active protection. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it was protection of like all li- living life forms. I think it yeah. was. Yeah. Like all to him, all life is sacred and he doesn't want to kill anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean. You know, he might have killed a few Gorn, though. <laughs> he's a, it's his ship. It's his, I'm just saying it's his ship. Very true. The, he didn't um, see anything, so it's fine. The the uh, stagecraft that they use, you know, because they use the Mandalorian technology where they have the the screens projecting into a, yeah. a, a set extension. The, this was their car. The cargo bay was a redress of the engineering set. Okay. And you can tell. <laughs> But it works. It's fine. It's how many how many decks are we going to see with that same railing, with yeah. a long with a long, whatever, the cargo bay and engineering. Well, the cargo bay confuses me because like, I know where it is now. It's under it's under the shuttle bay. But now I'm confused where engineering is because engineering is very big in in Strange New Worlds. So okay. then where's where's the shuttle bay? On that I, small, I could not even map out anything. Hole. I'm still trying to figure out where the bridge is located. That was well, that's a joke. easy. That was a joke. <laughs> You're bad at this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, so let's let's do it. Let's do a thing. Let's do let's do a show and tell. Make, Make yourself bigger, bigger though. Make yourself bigger so we can see it. No, no, no. We got this. We got this. Maybe I can make myself bigger. How do I do that? Bottom. There you go. Oh, look at that. Now, cookie small. Okay, so like here we go. So this is the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. There's the bridge cookie. Oh, right there. Right there. See the red circles? I thought the red circle was a bridge. Now I know. 
That the, was a joke. Just a joke. Just a joke. These are these are the um, what are they called? Oh God, what are they called? Like the aft thrusters? No, area? it's the no, it's the Bussard collectors. Bussard collectors. Um, this enterprise has not received its its, its circles yet. Um, okay. okay, so the cargo bay is here, mm-hmm. under here. So it's probably about this. This is so. Then engineering is is here because it's got to be connected to the nacelles. So do we just have a little bitty shuttle bay? Just a little tiny shuttle bay right there. I mean, let's be real. Majority of ships that we've ever seen usually only have about two small crafts that they can go and use the ship out. I don't like being this big. They don't have they don't have a lot of shuttles. They usually, to my knowledge, it's usually like what two shuttles per ship that we ever see. And this one had the Galileo, right? I think it was the ship. Yeah, the Galileo, which is a famous shuttle in Star Trek. Yeah. Um, I do not know how many shuttles they have, but it's I don't know, just things I like to think about. I uh, yeah, um, I would've <laughs> never thought about it. So you've enhanced because, my knowledge. Because I'm weird. <laughs> I was uh I was I'm part of this group where I where where they asked, does the eight years because you know, I don't know if you watched the Thor Love and Thunder trailer. Yes, I did. Okay, well, so someone was like, "The Thor, Thor, Love and Thunder doesn't make any sense. It's not how does it's not. It hasn't been eight years since Ragnarok. It hasn't been eight years since um since since uh, Thor: The Dark World is what they said. And okay. I'm like, and be me being weird and somehow have made myself the expert on the Marvel Cinematic Universe timeline. I had to give them the breakdown of how Thor and Jane's relationship. Did not end after Thor of the Dark World. It ended after Age of Ultron. And if that is the case, then eight years matches because they probably broke up just... This is a stupid thing. Why am I going through this? <laughs> I'm weird, is the point. It's I know weird shit. Hey, hey, you're 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 among friends. You're among I, other nerds, so it's good. I get obsessed with weird shit, and I just memorize that weird shit. That's, it's totally fine. It's totally fine. Okay. Um, the planet thing. Wait. Oh, the plasma. Oh, there's an episode of Voyager that I really like where doc where the doctor remembers that he saved Ensign Kim's life and not mm-hmm. someone else who was equally as bad. And like mal- he starts malfunctioning because he starts to yep. realize that like he did it because Kim was a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why he made that choice. The decision to give um the communications officer the plasma reminded me of that decision where like a manga if left with the choice would give it to una because she's the senior officer she's the the friend yeah. but she said it's an order give it to the junior officer that's an order mm-hmm. so i thought that was good um let's see oh pike has a moment where he's very proud of himself because he has this thing, he does this thing where he talks about like, uh, he get, he says to them, is like, okay, explain redshift. Uh, it's the thing where it's like if the black hole and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, he's like, yep, I knew that. We're going to do that. <laughs> We're going to do that. Because he's like so happy that his plan, like he came up with it's, this really cool plan that uses the black hole. And he's like, yeah, I did. I'm cool. Yeah, That's too great. Um, all right. Oh, uh, this episode also 
I wrote this down before we start recording, but this episode reminded me of something that I think the later Star Trek shows forgot. Okay. And that Enterprise dealt with a bit. Space is dangerous. Oh, yeah. Pike has a thing at the end where he's doing his captain's log. I don't know how often Burnham did a captain's log, but I'm really happy to see like captain's logs are back. Do you, since you are a Star Trek fan, do you try to make sure that their timestamp is accurate? Oh, or I you can't just... do that. I'll go okay. insane. Okay, just want to make sure because I'm like, I, I thought of it. I'm like, the more I've been hanging out with like you and Mike and doing this stuff, I started thinking, I'm like, okay, I wonder if they actually are following the timestamps if that actually is logical of what they're doing or if it's just numbers at this point. So I do know a little bit about the star dates. I never. Because I know myself, I never wanted to commit to the star date thing because mm-hmm. I'll go insane. It'll be okay. something that I'll just hyper focus on and be and want to become an expert on. And I just can't do that. I got you. So I let it I let it just kind of pass over me. However, the Kelvin timeline changed the star dates completely. Um, and what I think Star Trek Change the World does is just kind of throw out some numbers. That's okay. what the original series did. Star date bloop the dop bloop flop. <laughs> Like they, they don't. They you know, you could have just said numbers, right? Instead of oopsie blah blah blah. You didn't have to go and quote Kanye West's song. I understand you like. I'm it. very tired. <laughs> but the Kelvin timeline uses the year okay. as the star date. So he says in the first one, "It's like what's the date?" And it's like twenty two fifty four, or twenty two forty eight, or whatever. Whatever Kirk was born, but like it's like twenty two da 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 da. And so he and and that's because the writers of that movie wanted to make sense of the star dates and not go through the effort that Paramount had already done okay. to make the star dates make sense. Because by the time you get to next gen and on, they did I think they did have a number system. It, okay. And then Enterprise just uses the the date, like a like the proper date. They hadn't converted star date yet by the in universe by that point. Okay. Um, but I think Stranger Worlds is just throwing out numbers, honestly, mm-hmm. which is fine. Like I don't care. Star dates. I don't get. I don't get it. I don't want to get it. I'm good. All right. Sounds like sounds like a plan. It's not something I should ever get into. Don't don't don't. I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not even saying anything. <laughs> I'm letting it ride. <laughs> All right. Um. Yeah. Anyways, I like that. I like that they're the the reminder was that. The reminder of this episode is that space is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, the you, you go out into the frontier, the frontier will push back. Yes. The the Gorn being this recontextualizing the Gorn to be an ever present, very dangerous foe is really good to me. That you mm-hmm. have this, you can't use the Borg, you can't use the Romulans, so you use the Gorn, and and the Gorn are really interesting because. We don't, we don't get a lot of the Gorn because they're kind of stupid, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Like Arena, Arena. Look at that Godzilla-looking ass. Like it, that little piece of shit. Like Kirk, Kirk was able to MacGyver a rocket launcher out of a piece of bamboo and a rock, and he then he uh, killed her. <laughs> so like, like I don't. So like the Gorn aren't scary, but the idea is that they're supposed to be. And so mm-hmm. kind of going back to that idea that and 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 I think it's smart because they can't they can't show us the Gorn. 
mm-hmm. we cannot physically see the Gorn right now because if they do that, that does break canon. Yeah, because we're not supposed to see them until the original series. Correct. So, but you, if you have them kind of constantly being this threat that is pushing into the Federation, that is, uh, fight, that is destroying worlds, because Laan says the Gorn activate primal fear in warm-blooded creatures because of the way they look, because they're lizards, because yeah. they're these reptilian monsters that if we ever saw, it would activate a primal urge in us to run, to mm-hmm. a primal urge in us to be afraid, because that's just how we're, con- that's just how evolution is, cr- what evolution has created in us. Yeah, like our makeup, our DNA is kind of configured that way. Yeah, so the Gorn exploit that because they're, terrifying creatures um so i really do like that recontextualizing of them and creating them as this not just a prevalent threat but an existential threat Mm -hmm. that is constantly on the outskirts like the borg were when they first showed up in the original in the next generation for sure do you think that the gorn will come back because i know that pike does mention it when she brings it up saying like hey um i'm still like kind of fearful for them coming back and he's like well now that we know we'll be ready i think they will come back i do think they'll be prevalent they'll be a prevalent foe but i think they'll be used sparingly because they should be i believe that the way strange new worlds should use them is like the boogeyman strange new worlds is in a very interesting place that they can use a species that we are familiar with we, but we don't have a lot of information about because they mm-hmm. don't show up after the original series. I'm not counting Enterprise. Don't I don't yeah. want I don't want I don't want ads. That's that's a, I don't want that. They don't show up after the original series. So when so if we ever see the Gorn again, I want them to continuously be this threat that we can never we can never fight back. Okay. I want them to be the boogeyman. I want them to I want it to be a moment that every single time we hear the gorn, we get scared. We get mm-hmm. worried that more people we know, more crew on the enterprise more are going die. to die. Gotcha. And I don't want it to get to the point because con- continuity-wise, it cannot get to this point. The gorn can never be federation allies. The gorn can never be um like we can never, they can never team up with the Gorn. They can never, they can never be like, okay, well, the Gorn will be, um, we've got an uneasy truce with the Gorn. They can never do that because if they did, that breaks the original series canon. And mm-hmm. they're in a very interesting place where they can continuously find w- interesting and terrifying ways to bring in this foe. I like it. I definitely I hope like anyway. it. I hope so, anyway. If this show goes on for 10 years, I want at least one episode where the Gorn kick everyone's ass. But I think we could still see them, just that Starfleet doesn't have to see them. But we can see them as the audience looking in. I think La'an can see them. I think we can, I can see a world where the end of La'an's story arc, where she finally does kind of come to terms with everything and no longer sees the Gorn as a threat, as a scary threat, mm-hmm. is from uh, is from her confronting them one-on-one like she's on a gorn ship and she sees gorn but i think it's very important that she has to be alone i don't think anyone else can be there yeah i agree because if you do then you have a lot of people who have met the gorn who have lived to tell the tale 
Mm-hmm. And then you create a really interesting, you create a really unfortunate continuity problem where Kirk is like, what the hell's a Gorn? Yeah. Um, I think right now you're in a place where, where he can just be ignorant of that. And I think you can continue to live in that space. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's what they wanted to do with the Romulans and enterprise. Okay. Cause if enterprise had kept going, they would have done the Romulan earth war and the Romulan earth war during the Romulan earth war was many years where humans had no direct physical contact with contact with Romulans. So they didn't know what they looked like until mm-hmm. the original series. And I think you can, I think you can play in that same space that enterprise had intended to play in with the Romulans, gotcha. but with the Gorn. It's my two cents anyway. Works. It definitely works. All right. I don't know if I have much else actually. I'm good. Um, let's see. What's that? The biobed force field. That's cool. Yep, I did that. My mill. Yep, that's cool. Um, I'm good. I'm done. Sweet deal. I'm All right, Cookie. Last episode, man. Me too. I think it's it, the trailer looked like it's a lighter episode, which I'm happy about. There's a there's a picture where Ortega is in chapel, are having dinner together. Okay. And it's definitely just platonic. And I don't want to. I don't want to be this guy. But like, if they wanted to be like, you know, maybe Chapel doesn't pine for Spock for ten years, and maybe she starts dating Ortegas, I'd be like, better character arc. Just saying, better character uh, arc. I, I like her. All hands on duck for Spock. That's that's the way I see it. No, I because that is the least interesting thing about Chapel. Chapel is such a shit character in the original series because she's clearly only defined by her infatuation with Spock. And I hate that canon, so man. much. You got to keep canon. Just... Break canon for this. <laughs> I guess we'll end the show on breaking canon. The thing is, like, doing that to Chapel doesn't break anything. Yeah. It it bends it. But nothing, nothing that the show could do that I could see could break canon. Mm-hmm. Unless we all, unless like the Gorn invade the Earth, and then they become allies, and that that could break the canon. That could break the canon, but nothing. Whatever, Cookie, plug your shit. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm just little podcast. You can find me all over social media. Just little podcast on Instagram. Just podcasting on Twitter. Um, You can check out the podcast every single Tuesday. Drop a new episode. Uh, so by the time this airs, I might have already dropped out two episodes because I missed the following week. So I'm trying to catch up. We had a lot of stuff going on with Star Wars. So that will be my part two episode. Um, I dropped a new series on Patreon. So you can check that as well. Uh, a lot of great stuff happening over there. And of course, you can find me here talking Star Trek with this lovely human being over here. This weird human being today. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for doing this with me. I greatly appreciate it, of course. Um, as I mentioned up top, I'm Brandon T. McClure, the Fake Nerd Podcast family podcast. This is Fake Nerds Watch. There are plenty of other Fake Nerds Watch series you can check out. There's plenty of others. Uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. We've done all the Star Trek shows that have aired this year. Just the ones this year, I believe. Because we did, or did we do last year too? Yeah, we did last I year don't... too because we started Lower Decks. Yeah. Yeah, so we've done Lower Decks, Discovery, Strange New Worlds, Picard, um, you want to check out those. Those are all up here. If you want to check out some of the Marvel stuff, we just finished Moon Knight. So there's tons of stuff there. Obi-Wan will probably be out by the time this is out. So check out Obi-Wan. That's a new Star Wars show if you guys are interested. Um, 
I like that show quite a bit. Spoiler alert. Um, and the end. Yeah, so there's tons of figures watch that you can check out. If you like this video and you subscribe to this channel, you can also check out Basement Arcade, Basement Arcade Pause Menu, Animation Station, and Faker Book Club. Those are other shows that we have on this channel that you can check out if you'd like. Um, or you can check out our, our mothership show. We go live every Sunday on the Fake Nerd Podcast. That's our that's our that's the main show, Fake Nerd Podcast. Where we talk about news and things like that. The latest episode to go up, we talked about all the cool stuff that dropped from Celebration. Cookie, so much exciting shit came from Celebration. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so we talk about all that all that cool jazz, and we talk about Top Gun Maverick, which might be one of the best movies of the year. Highest grossing film from somebody I know. From somebody you know? Oh, yeah. Tom Cruise and I... I met Tom Cruise a few years back, and I'm joking with you. I've never met Tom Cruise in my entire well, life. I was like, this such a weird way to frame that sentence from somebody you know. Well, I mean, we all know who Tom Cruise is. I mean, you gotta be living on a rock to not know who he is. I know. I'm just saying. It's a weird way to frame that sentence. <laughs> um, and, and it's not the highest grossing... I don't think it's the highest grossing Tom Cruise film. No way. Yeah, I, th- I believe that's what I've heard. Word on the street. It's definitely vying for top grossing in Memorial Day for Memorial Day weekend. Let me check. But I don't know. Okay, but it doesn't matter for this episode, so we'll end this. Sure. Um, the late the next episode to come from the Fickner podcast is uh, a deep dive on Pixar films. So if you like Pixar films, you want to hear us talk about Pixar films, check it out. That's live every Sunday, and then it goes up on Monday if, on every, everywhere else. All right, so that'll do it. Then you can find all the Fickner podcast peoples and things like that. Hey, by the way, our fifth, our sixth anniversary is coming up. I almost forgot to say this. Our sixth anniversary is coming up. If you guys got questions you want to ask us, send them our way. Fickner podcast and all the social medias. Fickner at gmail.com. Please, please do so. We greatly appreciate anything you want to talk. Anything you want to ask us for our, our anniversary, let us know. Um, all right. Otherwise, you can find me at BT McClure on all the social medias. Um, mostly just Instagram and Twitter. Um, I also write for Screen Rant, where I put up a bunch of lists, and I write for Atomic Geekdom, where I write uh, a series called Revisiting the Infinity Saga, where I go through all the, where I go through what I believe to be fifty of the most defining moments of the MCU, and I edit kaijuramanmedia.com. And that's everything. Cookie, what are your socials? Socials. Just little podcasts on Instagram. Just podcasting on Twitter. All right. Until next time, we see us, guys. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper.